the man, the myth, the legend. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B. I don't know. I honestly don't know it anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm not reading off the top of my head. We, of course, have Rich Rebar. He's at Lord Reeves on Twitter, formerly Roto Reeves, for a very brief stint that I still laugh about every time I think about it. He is a connoisseur of context, fake football meteorologist at Sharp Football Analytics. The Swami of Konami. Here's the actual one. It's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, E, A. He is, the, he is at the guy on the couch as well in his Twitter bio. I'm just reading his Twitter bio. You can find all his stuff at sharpfootballanalysis.com. He's come to be, I'd like to consider him at this point. So um, welcome to the show, Rich Reeves. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I would I would consider you a friend as well. We have a personal relationship. You know personal things about me. You know, we had a nice talk last time I was on, you know, uh, about things outside of football as well, you know, family stuff. So, I mean, it was, you know, I, I consider that as well. And the industry, despite what, you know, kind of randomly goes on and, and we've had some weird things over the last week, but, I, um, you know, I was just in Canton and I was just in New York with industry folks and everyone is pretty good people in person and gets along well. So uh, I feel like if we were to hook up in person, you know, we'd, we'd get along pretty swimmingly. The stuff on Twitter, man. I'm, you know me. I, I just stay out of it. I, uh... what is going, I mean, I try to stay out of it, too. I mainly am tweeting about like I'm pretending like it doesn't happen. Like there's a car car wreck, right? Or like a train wreck over on the side. And I just keep driving past one. That's what I try to do. I don't I don't try to engage. Um, it's interesting. I know that people like you and Danny Carter and Scott and Graham tell me all the time, like 2014, 2015 was like peak Twitter. People were literally just sharing knowledge, information, right. like going back and forth with ideas. Nobody had any takes. It was more of an Nobody incubator. Was canceled. Yeah, it, it was a lot more of an incubator uh, to progress the field. Uh, you know, now, I mean, and to be fair, like a lot of things are different. You know, obviously what's gone on the past 18 months, you know, has a lot more people at home. Uh, obviously, now we've had uh, not just Twitter boom, but we've had other outlets. boom. a lot of people have their own YouTube channel. A lot of people have a Twitter, TikTok. You know, th- 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 there's an engagement now element to the game that didn't exist. Uh, you know, there were no uh, social media jobs in this field. Hell, there were even really even full time jobs in, in the field like I'm doing now. When I first started, those came. Now we have sites, you know, have social media, uh, you know, kind of uh, creators and, and managers. Uh, so that's a different element of it, too. So we've got people now widening the field of, you know, being here for engagements over analysis, which is fine. You know, I don't I really am not rubbed the wrong way by that. Uh, there's a space for, I think, all of us and a lot of ways people that want to consume content doesn't step on my toes or my audience. So I, my audience at this point, they know what they're getting from me. I, I, I definitely have more of a, I definitely have more of a, a niche audience uh, when you go back to like the, how things are consumed now. I mean, I'm a long form writer. Not everyone really wants that anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm a decent podcast guest. I'm a fast talker and conveying information, but you know, people that are paying for my subscription and reading articles, uh, they know what they're getting and they're there for that. So I'm pretty content with having just that audience. I think you're pretty witty on Twitter. <laughs> I said something in our, in our league that we can address in it. We're Reeves, Reeves is in the invitational first annual injury. Um, I told him that his rank sucked. And he was very witty in return. He said, thanks for subscribing, Doc. And I thought I had no retort for that. That was <laughs> He's getting my money. They're getting my money. And it's it's true. It's uh, it's true. So Reeves is fun. That chat has been fun. We were talking about that before we hit record. Just to see. So this is a really good segue, actually. Because in this league we're, that we're in, it is a super flex, two running back, three wide receiver, um, run, uh, PPR, 12-team league. And mm-hmm. Reeves' team so far, he picked from the week four, five spot, started Lamar Jackson, went Diggs, CEH. Somehow A.J. Brown fell that low. I, w- I was surprised to see that. Um, Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, Hawkinson, 
Zach Wilson, and Roethlisberger was eighth. So, or in the 10th, sorry. Tell me about that build, because that's what we're about to do. We're about to do the basically the exact same thing. You're going to draft based on this NFPC ADP, and it's going to be, it's a little different. It's not going to be super flex, but it's going to be the same format. 12-team mm-hmm. PPR, two running backs, three wide receiver backs. Tell me what your philosophy was going in at the five, and how that might translate over to what We'll, we'll just top down. Everyone knows, understand your league, understand the format, have a plan coming in around that. So just pretend that we're, we're not doing super flex right now. And we, we wouldn't have like five quarterbacks in the first round. We saw the top tier quarterbacks all went in the first round, the top six, kind of what has evolved this fantasy season, the top six. And then you have like a secondary tier of like Rogers, Herbert, sometimes Tannehill's in there and Jalen Hurts. Uh, but if this wasn't super flex, we come in, I look at this and I say, all right, what are the starting requirements? Are there start three wide receivers? First thing I always look for. Is it full PPR then? Yes. Check that box. How many flex spots are there? Are there one? Are there two? So if there is even one, uh, I already inherently know that I need to have at least four receivers early to play in my three wide receiver spots and my flex position. But I also probably need a couple more to cover you know, injuries, buys, busts, me getting a player wrong. Uh so my, my favorite kind of type of, type of build, and it, it kind of works in a lot of formats, I, I, but I typically play in PPR formats, so it kind of helps. But I have really kind of evolved uh, over the years into an anchor RB, modified RB. It, before it even had a moniker, this is just how I drafted, right? Like it's what all the data suggested to go. And now it's, you know, getting thrown a different label. And people are arguing over whatever moniker you want to have it. But basically the thought process. Hero is, RB is my favorite. Yeah, personally. yeah. Basically, the thought process is you want to grab a, a, a three down running back or someone, you know, running back with upside early uh, to kind of be your your bell cow running back. And then you just want to hammer wide receivers and, and race to get a wide receiver in that flex spot. Because in full PPR, you want wide receivers in, in the flex spot. Uh, because as you you evolve down the, the ADP in your drafts, wide receivers are just inherently better bets in terms of you know, injury rates, uh, something in your, in, in your area here in terms of, you know, maximizing, you know, full game seasons, uh, then they just fight outright outscore them. I mean, so when you get to just the RB twos versus wide receiver twos, uh, the average wide receiver two outscores the average running back two over the past decade by two full PPR points. Um, and then the wide receiver threes outscored the running back threes by two full PPR points. And those wide receiver threes actually only score 0.4 fewer PPR points per game than the RB twos. Uh, this draft was unique because typically industry drafts, industry guys are sharper on that. They don't overpay for the RB two position. This one did a little bit. We had 19 running backs taken before the wide receiver 13, which is the typical, the start of a wide receiver two run. You typically don't see that in industry leagues. Uh, it kind of helped me with my build because I wanted to come out and set out and get a lot of wide receivers and i was able to get them because a lot of those rb2 were being gobbled up and uh i was okay because you look at the hit rates of the of rb2s and where (laughs) it's it's just so bad man Uh, in terms of matching adp they're significantly worse than wide receiver two tier in terms of producing top 12 seasons top six seasons and like i said points per game and then playing 15 or more games in a season they're dramatically different i actually have all this content on the site and have articles on this if you want to go back check that at sharp football analysis i've got all this stuff up uh if you want to go check it out um so i know i want to get those wide receivers get get race to the flex you want to fill your flex because flex is literally one of the most important positions you have Uh, and then i'm going to throw stuff at the rb2 pin uh Try to get guys that either are pass catchers, uh, maybe some guys that have long, longer term upside, uh, which we'll talk about when we do like this mock draft uh, a little uh, and kind of go that route. So that's how I'm looking at it. If you're in a full PPR league, start three wide receivers flex. You want to race that flex to the wide receiver. You want to hammer wide receiver. But 
also kind of circling back to that, I also am a pursue a elite running back type of guy. The one area where uh, running backs kind of have an edge still in terms of win rate, in terms of matching ADP, in terms of producing elite seasons and seeing the same amount of PPR points per game as wide receivers is when you one view one that RB one tier and that wide receiver one tier, it's still very comparable. And from positional leverage stand, the running back position uh, is just supremely better to have an elite player at than an elite wide receiver. So I do like to get that anchor RB and then start hammering wide receiver. And that's what J.J. Zacharyson did. He ran quarterback. It's nice he when you have the, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he had the 1.01. <laughs> but when you have the 1.01 and you have Christian McCaffrey, you can basically go whatever build you want after that. You're probably going to be okay. He went McCaffrey, Hopkins, Waller, sniped at, in, at the same time, back-to-back, sniped Fields and Burrow for me. I was going to take one of those cats, probably probably Fields. Um, had to settle for Cousins. And I know you're hesitant on Burrow, but Burrow at QB 18 in a Superflex League is pretty solid. It's good. No, no. And <laughs> I am. I'm I'm less hesitant from a season-long perspective. Um, I think that if in leagues like this, where you're, where especially me, when I'm ba- I'm the amateur, and I know that I need upside everywhere I can get it, I, I would not have gone, bro, as like my my anchor quarterback, my anchor quarterback in this league. I would have been fine maybe as my, as my QB 2. But no, he he's looking fine. We're gonna see him in preseason, and I and I don't think this you know this isn't obviously discussed. I genuinely believe that this game, this preseason game, he's about to play in mm-hmm. is going to determine is he gonna be is he gonna play in week one or not. I think that the coaches and the medical staff are looking at this game as all right, Joe. How'd you feel after that? How'd you feel in the pocket? How'd you feel stepping in your throw? Were you confident? Is this something you, you can do in in live game? I think this preseason game is. I I still don't think he's a slam dunk to start. But I am a, I'm leaning a little bit more that he will. Although I wouldn't be shocked if they if they backed off. I know that's sort of like a lukewarm take, but pragmatically, it doesn't make sense to to guarantee him yet. But yeah, he went like you said, Ian. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. And we're actually, <clears throat> excuse me, we're actually waiting on your next pick. So we have Matt Scott, who we know is fine. Wake Scott woke up probably an hour ago. And then these are his be- hours. He's like a, a gremlin. Yes. <laughs> then it's going to be you. So we might actually run into we might run into the the rare mock draft actual pick here while we're recording so here's what we're going to do like i said this is going to be a 12 team ppr non-super flex non-tight end premium two running back three wide receiver two flex uh, spot here for reese he's going to draft out of the out of the seven hole and he's going to go through this adp from nfpc and basically we're going to say at the seven adp says you draft this player everybody else after is available are you going this player or are you going the field we're going to start so reeves 1.07 this adp data says you should take travis kelsey are you going to kelsey there I'm not. And I'm glad you gave me this spot. You kind of, when you said you're going to give me this spot, I said, cool. So I've had this spot in a lot of leagues so far. And I actually have in like 107, 108, seven through nine are my least favorite spots. That's where I have to like, I've tried a lot. I've thrown a lot of things at the wall and even myself said, all right, yeah, I'm going to get Kelsey too, get the positional leverage. But every time I've built a Kelsey team from this area of the draft, I don't like it. And now it could be just a, a thing where it's fine. I'm just overweighting my my draft assessment and it could still be fine because Kelsey smashes and doesn't matter. Uh, but I've never liked my Kelsey bill when I, when I pick out of this spot. Uh, so I have actually shifted and have started to go back to that, you know, anchor RB approach. Cause typically when I get any, you kind of hit that wall and you start to say, all right, well, am I going to take Aaron Jones? Am I going to take Juan? Um, which, you know, or, or Kelsey, you say, well, Kelsey's just got a lot more safety, right? And he's got the positional leverage you do it. But I just, man, I have not liked my teams when I take Kelsey at this spot. I'm, I'm sure some people do, but I have not been a fan of my Kelsey builds in this area of the draft. Uh, so I am not going to take Kelsey here. 
I've, I've, I've going back to the approach that I laid out. I'm going to take Aaron Jones, and I know that hurts you. Well, on a one v a one v one versus Saquon, but I'm going to make the case at least a little bit. Let's hear. Obviously, no, let's hear. yeah. Obviously, Aaron Jones, you know, has been a guy that's been a top five scorer the past years. He averaged over five yards per touch his first four years in the league. Uh, the biggest thing with Aaron Jones, he's been such an efficiency magnet. He's just been 14th and 12th in touches per game at the position the past two years. But with Jamal Williams leaving, uh, when when Jamal Williams was active a year ago, Aaron Jones ran a pass route on just 50% of the dropback. When Jamal Williams was not in the lineup, Aaron ran a pass route on 63% of the Bay dropback. Uh, so this gives him a lot more, I think, of a receiving floor than he's had in the past. He used to come out of the games on four-minute drills and two-minute drills. I believe he'll be in the games for those. Also, when you look at the Packers versus a team like the Giants, uh, you're, we're getting equity in just a better offense. Uh, so, I mean, that, I think as a tiebreaker, uh, you have that working in your favor. And when you look at the Green Bay Packers last year, 75% of their offensive touchdowns were passing, uh, just 25% were rushing obviously Rodgers with MVP smashes but over the previous decade there have been 67 teams um outside of the Packers that have scored 75% or more of their offensive touchdowns via the air 61 of them 91% of those teams came back and had a decline the following season average loss of 12.8% and had an increase a uh, bump of an average of 5.1 rushing touchdowns as a team the following season so as long as AJ Dillon does not cut in those goal line carries which is a, 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 a potential outcome here um, I still uh, think Aaron Jones runs into one the most touch he's ever had the most receptions he had which matter in this format and then he's just uh, equity on a better offense that's do more rushing touchdowns so and that's fair uh, that that's a very yeah. fair argument I, and my question gen, genuinely to the consumer is well aren't you worried that aj Dillon just stems role i know that yeah. he doesn't have catches coming out of boston he didn't have a ton of catches we know he's sort of like a north south runner all the things we know however he's a player who hasn't played in the mm-hmm. nfl system and regardless of what we think or what his past showed there's a possibility, you know, they drafted him for a reason, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are the chances that he just steps right into that Jamal Williams role and Aaron, Aaron Jones' role? I would be more worried, like I said, that he cuts into the goal line carries. I mean, anytime you have coaches looking at a 240-pound chunk of muscle that A.J. Dillon is, I mean, they're inclined to say, like, yeah, where can, where can we use this player on the field? And as a battering ram near the goal line, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think right. Aaron Jones still is – and it's not like Aaron Jones has been a bad – pass catcher either and they've dialed up a lot of nice you know scheme plays for him in the passing game uh not he just didn't get like tertiary dump offs so i do think he will get that pass catching role my concern would be like yeah the money touches the the inside the five the green zone touches i think that's where you still have this little kind of hanging element of yeah the the packers could really be enticed to use a player of a physical specimen like aj Dillon in that area of the field more than he would take the jamal williams you know kind of snaps that's fair you know who's going to get all the goal line? Saquon Jones. Barkley. Moving on. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this next pick that we're going to go with, ADP says you should take Calvin Ridley. You taking Calvin Ridley? Surely you're taking Ridley. Hopkins is off the board. Yeah, I, so I have Calvin Ridley as a one-two turn guy. I'm way ahead of this where he's at draft. So I would take Calvin Ridley here. Beautiful. Anything uh, you want to add to that? I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Anything you want to add? Anything you'd be worried about? Anything that you maybe make clean DK Metcalf? I don't know. Um... No, uh, just still have the edge. I mean, in terms of target share, uh, a guy that's just had tremendous success. I mean, Calvin Ridley's gotten better every year in the NFL. He went from the wide receiver 28 to the wide receiver 19 to the wide receiver four in points per game. Julio's gone. 
they're getting a, a scheme with Arthur Smith where they're going to a lot more play action. He's going to have, he's not just going to be a, a guy that has to rely on downfield targets. He's going to be running a lot more, you know, digs off play action stuff in the middle of the field that he really didn't have last year in this. Uh, it's really, I think, hard to get away from him. I wouldn't have, I honestly wouldn't have any problem with anyone taking Calvin Ridley over any other wide receiver. Uh, I don't have him that high. I mean, I would still take Devontae Adams and Tyreek, but I wouldn't push back. If you told me Calvin Ridley was your wide receiver one, I honestly wouldn't even really fight you back. Yeah, he's so good. Okay, so yeah, not much left there to talk about. All right, now I know for a fact here at the 31, the pick overall, number 30, you're not going to take Swift, at least I don't think. Um, so basically, Allen Robinson's off the board. Some notes, CeeDee Lamb is off the board. McLaurin's off the board. And Allen's off the board. Here with your third pick at 31, are you going DeAndre Swift? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> well, he doesn't My whole fit what we're building. Turned so, down. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't fit really what we're building. Um, and then also with these early round picks, I also, like I want to say, I want to get attachment to offenses that believe are going to be good. So uh, we've got attachment to the Packers offense. We got attachment to the Falcons offense. Are the Falcons going to be an elite offense? No, but they're, he's, you know, Calvin really is paired with a capable quarterback that has proven uh, a proven a fantasy assessment. Like, you know, we can, we can attach ourselves to Matt Ryan and be fine. So we're not worried. So if I'm in this spot and, you know, we cleared all those receivers you named, because uh, I would love to get some of those guys, but they probably won't be here. Uh, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper in this spot. And I, I can't wait for you to talk me out of it. Uh, you know, because of the the foot injury. Uh, but, you know, again, we want attachment. We want a wide receiver here because we're going with our build. We've got three wide receiver spots to fill and two flexes that we want to be wide receivers. So we want to go wide receiver. We want attachment to a good quarterback. We've got that. I know you're bullish on Dak, uh, you know, coming back and returning to form. Uh, and when you look at Amari Cooper, he's been kind of bypassed by CeeDee Lamb, but Amari Cooper was literally the most consistent guy the Cowboys had in their offense last year. Even after Dak got hurt, he was the one guy we could still play in the offense every week sure. I mean, we still we still played zeke because he was getting touches but zeke was still basically just an rb2 like a floor guy not even give you any spike weeks amari cooper was still the wide receiver 22 overall week 6 through 17 without prescott he was usable uh so i mean i feel like amari cooper is a guy that doesn't really get enough credit uh because he's a little volatile player uh but he's a really good proven asset he's been really good since he's gone to the cowboys and i actually think he's a little bit underrated uh but i'll let you try to talk me out of it from an injury well, he's a guy that's played with a lot of injuries he hasn't missed a lot of games you're right you're right he hasn't missed a lot of games and the thing about amari cooper and i've been trying to articulate more clearly it's not that amari cooper is a fade but the fact that he had a surgery in January, either a cleanup or they removed bone spur. He has chronic planaritis. He said that in 2015. We also don't have confirmation that. It ever so we know that he had some minor surgery that should have been six weeks, ended up taking six months. He still had inflammation in the in July, started camp on the pup. That never should have happened. Now, you could take it the direction of, okay, that means I'm never Amari Cooper. I wouldn't necessarily take it. What I would say is Amari Cooper has this chronic condition. It was exacerbated. He tried to resolve this, the problem with the surgery. At best, the surgery didn't stick. He had inflammation for six months. The problem is still more than like. That's how I view the. So at the very least, the surgery was a lateral move. So as long as you're, you accept what, what you just said, as long as you accept the fact that Amari Cooper is volatile, and I'm of the personal that the volatility comes from some weeks he's probably with his foot on fire. That's I think that there's something to um I, as long as you accept the volatility and accept the fact that this could crop up again because he's not out of the woods and it's going to be less than a calendar year, you know, playing NFL games, surgery went awry after complications. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily fade him, but I would say like with a within tier fade, but then I'm looking at the wide receivers, right? And Woods would provide a pretty good floor, right? I think Evans is fine. 
Um, I'd like to hear your opinion on those guys. I think the next guy that I would even be enticed to go above, um, to go above Cooper at that point, would be somebody like, I don't know, Tyler Lockett. But even then, that's probably if you're going for seeing. But I don't know. I just mentioned all those guys, right? So you're you're going with Mari Cooper above all those guys. Yeah, above those guys, I wouldn't have a problem with Lockett. The the thing is, uh, we're going to talk about Tyler Lockett in a second. Uh (laughs) Uh, Because I would run it back around the turn here with Tyler Lockett. He would be the next pick. Uh, Ah. Ah. Okay, yeah, because he's there. You're right. Yeah, so um, one last thing on Cooper. Are you surprised that he played in the preseason or no? No, I'm not surprised. And and we shouldn't have been surprised. Like, it it shouldn't have been a problem. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that he's off the puff, right? It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a great sign he's off the pup. He's healthy now, as presumably, but this has become a chronic issue, similar to like with DeAndre Swift and his groin. Like this is a chronic issue for him. When we can, we can't predict injuries, right? But when we have an injury history and we can, we can reasonably presume it's going to crop up again. Those are the guys that I within tier fade. But again, going back, the only other guy that I could that I could maybe hear you or another expert make the the argument for would be Robert Woods. But I mean, again, it's probably is that sort of like a floor versus ceiling type argument. Yeah, I mean, Robert Woods is is great. No one's gone broke with Robert Woods. But I do think that there are some signals like, you know, he had a little bit of touchdown luck for the first time in his career last year. I think with the personnel that the Rams have added, it, I think it really opens the Cooper Cup to have a really nice bounce back season. I think the speed they added opens up the middle of the field a lot. So, I mean, I kind of like Cup at ADP more than Woods. I've been a little bit more drawn to that. Um, and I, I am someone that like to take, you know, I've called, you know, high cholesterol targets, right? I've done a, a value of, <laughs> of, I've, I've done an article on this, the value time of out, the types of out. targets a player gets. Let, let's talk thing? about your art. We can talk about your article, but I also love your food analogies. I heard you on a podcast <laughs> the other day say that you'd rather take the syrup and not the pancakes. And you were talking about Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. And now you have a high cholesterol analogy. I really like these. Keep them coming. Continue about your article. <laughs> what is your article say? But but yeah, I mean, when you look at the types of targets that Robert Woods has gotten over his career, they're 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 he's gotten by in volume, but the types of targets he gets aren't really rich in fantasy fat, man. They're just not. Uh, so like he has to get a lot of targets. So if his targets ever wane, you know, you, he's not as strong as fantasy asset. Now I don't think his targets are in, in jeopardy. But when you're telling me that I have to choose Robert Woods over a guy like Amari Cooper or Tyler Lockett, or DJ Moore, those guys get a little bit more of rich targets uh so there's a little bit more upside there you know so i mean i am a little bit more drawn to those guys uh, in that area and, and like this is a and a lot of people have like where amari goes um and me taking amari because i'm ahead of adp and amari but he probably doesn't make it back around um everyone's gonna have like kind of their different order of these guys right amari godwin evans lockett julio if he gets in there dj Moore. like everyone's gonna shuffle those guys up robert woods Everyone's going to have those guys shuffled a little bit. Uh, I tend to do tiebreakers, you know, one pr- production quarterback play that. So I do think Amari gets a little bit, but I also have no problem with Tyler Lockett, who will take with the next pick. So remember, we still want to go receiver and we want to have attachment to a good offense and we get an attachment to Russell Wilson. Uh, so we're off to a really good start. So we're Russell off to, you know, we're football. off to a really good start. Uh, we're, we've got attachment to Matt Ryan. We got attachment to Russell Wilson. We got attachment to Dak Prescott. We like all this. Uh, Lockett's another guy that people kind of have like, he's like a polarizing player because you know obviously last year he has the what 
the, the, the big blow up games and then kind of just kind of fades, doesn't really do anything. He has dormant stretches, but he still caught a hundred uh, career high, hundred catches at 130 targets. If you just say I can have 130 Russell Wilson targets, I'm going to take those and let the kind of dispersal of those points come as they may. Uh, and especially as a at, at wide receiver three, he's not my wide receiver one. So I can have some volatility here and have some upside. A guy at my wide receiver three spot that can drop 30 to 40 points. Not a lot of teams are going to have that now. Uh, when I'm look, when, when you look at this build, I've got three guys that can literally have 30, 30 point wide receivers uh, at the start of this build and an anchor running back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take my 130 Russell Wilson targets, a guy that has been first or second in the NFL in pass attempts into the end zone in each Ooh. of the last four seasons. Say that again, say those. that again, say that again. Yeah, Russell Wilson has been first or second in end zone passes, passes into the end zone in each of the last four years. I like one that. or two. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting those high cholesterol targets. Yeah, high cholesterol. <laughs> nothing, nothing makes me more happy than high cholesterol. Okay, so you're going here. Let's just to recap. At, from the 1.07, Reeves went Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley. That was chalk. That's okay. He went Amari Cooper. Then he went Tyler Lockett. Now, this next one, I'm going to be very interested to hear your take here. At this point, Thielen's off the board. Interest here. I mean, Brandon Ayuk, potentially, he's off the board. Uh, Lamar Jackson, so the quarterbacks are starting to come off the board. And ADP says you should take Jamar Chase. Are you taking I'm not, and I'm not necessarily worried about Jamar Chase either. I think Jamar Chase is just a little bit overpriced than he was. So this kind of, this this weird, the, the weird preseason drop thing that I don't think really matters just kind of lowers him to a spot where I think where he probably should have been. I had always had T. Higgins above Jamar Chase. Uh, and it's just kind of now everyone started to shift there for really reasons that shouldn't be. But, uh, you know, the thing about Jamar Chase is he's following up a historic rookie season where we had, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson just go bananas, set rookie records, but we also had big time contributors uh, outside of him. But we had Chase Claypool, we had Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely missing some people off the top of my head. Uh, but we had a lot of contributors as rookies, you know, Jerry Judy. Uh, but, you know, that kind of is elevating him. And it was also a, in a historic scoring environment. We had no home field advantage for any right. teams. It was the highest scoring season in NFL history. So there's all these things that I think go into overpricing Jamar Chase. You, you know, and then obviously you get the shower and air of him with United with Burrow. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think he's always just been a little bit overpriced for me. I would kind of go uh, in a different direction here. I would go with one of those guys we just talked about. So one thing I always love in fantasy draft is year two wide receiver. Yeah, they typically offer a lot of asymmetrical upside, and we typically can catch players still, even at this portion of the draft, the fifth round, players still ascending. You know, we saw that with Calvin Ridley. We saw that with DK Metcalf last year. Look where those guys are going in drafts now, A.J. Brown. Um, so I think we can still do that with a guy in Chase Claypool. Uh, Ooh, he, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna stop you there. You went Chase Claypool. Maybe I should have let you. I'll let you talk. Sorry, but that that sorry that was that just I couldn't I couldn't control it because you went <laughs> Chase Claypool, who by ADP, if I can control F, you went Chase Claypool, and he is 62. Oh, he's not that much further. But Jerry Judy, ah, I see what you're doing here, Reeves. You're lining up the ADPs. <laughs> see, I did, you did it again. Yeah, you're getting me. Okay, I'm sorry. I should have shut up. Continue on. Tell me about Chase Claypool. Why are you taking two? Again, we're not attachment to a good offense. Uh, you know, the Steelers are even even switching to running the ball. They can run the football more and still be a, a passing offense because the best players on their team are their wide receivers. He let all rookie wide receivers with 11 touchdowns, high cholesterol targets. Uh, we do need some uh, a little bit more of efficiency from Ben Roethlisberger downfield for him to kind of 
have that DK Metcalf jump. You know, I think a lot of people are drawing the corollary of him to DK Metcalf last year, but you know, we need big Ben, big Ben's not Russell Wilson right now. Uh, you know, him and Claypool, they connected on just 10 of 36 targets uh, over 15 yards downfield. Ben's got to be better. He's got to hit some more of those throws. Uh, and obviously Juju returning kind of caps his, kind of where his target ceiling could have gone. I think if Juju wouldn't return, where would Claypool be in drafts? I mean, he'd probably be another 10 spots higher, uh, definitely in the mid-teens. So, I mean, I still consider this, I'm still buying Claypool uh, on the ascension of his career. Uh, And I also believe that he's going to run into more targets because when you look at players like Claypool, teams lean into those that archetype of wide receiver. And I think that we are on the precipice of him maybe even possibly taking over this year uh, of leading that team in targets uh, out of that jail. But uh, they're really the tiebreaker between him and Deontay for me. It's just like I said, those high cholesterol targets. It's hard for me to arbitrage the targets that Trace, Chase Claypool is going to get later in fantasy drafts than I can Deontay Johnson's. Uh, although Deontay Johnson's going to get a lot of. Uh, so uh, I just look at it from an arbitrage stance. It's harder for me to get guys that are like Chase Claypool beyond this point. So I'm going to jump on him now and add him to this roster. And I've got a lot like of insurance that. because he's my wide receiver four. He's in a flex spot now for me. I really like that. I really like that Claypool argument. I've been big on Deontay and Claypool. I think mm-hmm. if I could summarize what my sort of, the handful of analysts that I follow, the answer to Deontay versus Chase Claypool is yes, right? It, whoever yes. you can get in that range, <laughs> just yes. That's the answer. Yeah, Deontay so I, typically goes a little bit ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not available to us now by letter of law of your podcast. Right. So. <laughs> letter of law. Okay. So, so far, let's recap again. Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett. I like this build mainly because it looks a lot like some of the builds that I've had. So that's great confirmation bias. Um, you went Chase Claypool. And then I was, I rudely interrupted you because I was going to jump out of my chair because 66 says you should go Russell Wilson right below Russell Wilson is Jerry Judy. That's why I was about to jump out of my chair, but I want to hear what you're thinking. Are you going Russell Wilson or are you going Jerry Judy here? No, absolutely. We're going to take Jerry Judy. Because uh, then we want to be the first team to the flex. We want to fill, because this is a two flex. So I want to fill my flex. We've got, now we have it. Jerry Judy is going to be our wide receiver five and fill the flex. We're, 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 we're I don't know what the other teams are doing, but I'm going to say by assumption, we're the first to the flex here. Uh, <laughs> I think so. A lot of your, yeah, there are a lot of quarterbacks on the board already. A lot of teams are going to be a little more balanced. They have more balanced builds uh, You know, at this point. A lot more running backs are going to go. But remember, circle back to the beginning of the conversation and go check out that article at Sharp Football. Uh, you don't want to be running, buying running backs in that spot. Historically been a terrible spot. And the other ironic thing about the RB2 thing, uh, before I get off on a tangent on Jerry Judy, is Please that... They, they get, are getting more expensive. Running back twos for as historically bad bets they've been are the most expensive they've ever been in the average fantasy draft, which makes no damn sense. Uh, how how we're doing? It's you know the day. Oh, there's such overwhelming data to take wide receivers area, especially in these full PPR formats. But yet the running backs are still getting more expensive. That that RB thirst is so real. The RB um, thirst. That's but it right. helps us. It helps us out for the build we want to go for here. It helps us out in this format if we get some of those guys to go in that area. Uh, because Wig said, we're going to have Jerry Judy as our wide receiver five. Uh, he had the second most targets among all rookie wide receivers last year. Obviously, Cortland Sutton wasn't there this year, but he's going to get a lot more better quality of targets. He had just a 58.2% catchable target rate last year. Only A.J. Greens was lower amongst all wide receivers with 50-plus targets last year. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, under Bridgewater, Carolina Panthers uh, were third in the league in catchable target rate. Their Carolina wide receivers were eighth. Uh, Jerry Judy is a guy that had more downfield targets than um, 
you know, where Teddy likes to typically target. You look at DJ Moore, his catchable target rate versus Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson was significantly lower. But I think we'll see Jerry Judy mixed in a little bit. I'm also high on KJ Hamler, which is Teddy Bridgewater as well, because he's going to be playing in the slot. Wait, what's uh, his Jerry, full name? What was this one? You uh, tweeted at me. What was this one? Do you remember? Yeah, it's is it's Kaylee Jacoby, right? I think so. Uh, yeah. It's Kali or Kaylee. I'm not yeah, sure. Kali, I maybe I may yeah. be pronouncing that wrong. We never get to hear it. Um, yeah. But I think he's a great end of your draft ad. We got him at wide receiver 72 last night in the FFPC main event, which which we love. We also had you earlier. But you know, Judy's a guy that has big playability. I think when we go back three years ago and you just look at the roster, that Alabama roster, the Jerry <sighs> Judy, he led he led the team in receiving and touchdowns on a team that had you know, uh, Calvin Ridley, it had Devontae Smith, it had uh, Jalen Waddle, it had it had Irv Smith on it. It was, I mean, there was so <laughs> much NFL talent on this roster and he led the team, you know, receiving yards and touchdowns as a sophomore. Uh, just big time talent. Uh, I do think that with this move to Teddy, the one thing that he's still going to have this year, even I think he takes a step forward. I still think there will be probably a lower touchdown ceiling than EP peers. I don't mind that as much because we've bought a lot of high cholesterol targets already. I think he's probably more on the DJ Moore spectrum. Like when DJ Moore kind of kept growing, but he just hasn't had that touchdown season yet because the quarterback play he's been attached to. I think we'll probably see that with Jerry Judy. He'll have a lot more efficient targets, He's gonna, uh, which is going to create more of his yak ability, which he's really good at. We saw that a little bit showcased in the preseason the other night. We caught that fourth and eight slant turns it up for like 30 more yards down like inside the five. Um, but I think he's probably going to be more like a, a five to seven touchdown guy as a ceiling. And if you run into more then great, but that's just my expectations are probably him being a five to seven touchdown guy. But as our wide receiver five here, uh, yeah. we, we're, we're buying that, that, that transition and still the upside that he could be more than even what I'm selling him as. Right now. I'm loving this man. I'm loving this build. Jared Judy, Chase Claypool, Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper, Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley. And interestingly, just like you you mentioned, you still haven't gone RB2. I'm curious to see how long you'll go. This next pick, pick 81, it says you should go Debo Samuel. You going Debo Samuel? I'm probably not. Uh, this would be a spot, and uh, we can't take him because it is past ADP, but this is a spot I'd actually be looking for Trey Sermon to fall if somehow he did. Uh, he's typically, like, when I have these builds, he's the guy, the RB2 I look for, the falling the most. So remember in these builds, we're looking more long-term. So with Trey Sermon, uh, I did also uh, an article on, you know, ambiguous backfields and then rookie backfields, ambiguous backfield. JJ Zacharyson's always done, has done an article and did a podcast as well. And typically uh, the, the first guy in ADP and when, especially when it involves in rookies, these ambiguous backfields where two guys are closely grouped together in ADP, like him and Raheem Mostert are, uh, but neither of them are top 24 picks at the running back position. It's really favored the guy that's first in ADP and especially if it's a rookie. So I think he's a good bet. And then also I'm looking down the season, right? So the 49ers at the end of the season, this playoff schedule, you've heard it talked about by a lot of people, the Trey Lance building a Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, Debo, Kittle stack. But the leverage against that is obviously Trey Sermon when they go against, you know, uh, Tennessee and Houston to end the season. Uh, you, by that point, Trey Sermon could have already carved himself out to be the lead back at that point. And then when you look at the historical numbers for Raheem Mostert and where he's really struggled and where the 49ers have really kind of 
gone away from using him is near the goal line. So right away, he can really take that role, even if it's compartmentalized with Raheem Mostert and really kind of be the guy that's involved the goal line. So over the past few seasons, while he's been with the 49ers, Raheem Mostert, including the playoffs, has converted just three of 13 carries inside the five-yard line for touchdowns, 23%. Other 49ers running backs have converted 18, 34, 53%. So even in an apples to apples you know, environment, he's been significantly worse than those guys. And when he's been involved in the offense, they've gone to other guys in that area of the field. I think Trey Sermon immediately goes into that role. And then by the end of the season, he could be uh, have a lot more larger role and then offers you leverage against all of the stacks that everyone's trying to build. But he's not available to us, though. I was a long tangent on Trey Sermon. He's just a guy <laughs> say, in these builds, I look for to fall. I think here I would go for a little more upside uh uh, I, I like Debo enough. I just don't think there's enough targets uh, that I'm really excited about. And also Debo, another one of those guys, doesn't really get the types of targets we're uh, so, so I'm actually, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a, he's a low A dot. He's kind of a glorified running back in a sense. Good player. Uh, have no problems if anyone does like Debo. But uh, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith at this point. Uh, just because I think he, he's going to lead the Eagles in targets right out of the box. We're not worried about his injury, right? No, not at all. Yeah, thank you. It was the same injury that Nick Chubb had, and Nick yes. Chubb's a running back right. and came back and was fine and just ripped off. He was like he didn't even miss a beat, right? Yeah, average, what was I think it was 69 <laughs> yards per carry on fourth down or some shit like that, like Nick Chubb. Like something ridiculous, right? I, did you see that PFF stat? Like I thought that, that was actually pretty mind-blowing. It was he, Nick Chubb, I think something like in the fourth quarter, Nick Chubb averages like 12 yards per carry or something like that. And you think that it was something that, you know, oh, most probably most good running backs, you know, average that. But I think Derrick Henry was behind him, and Derrick Henry was like seven or something, like seven or eight. Like Nick Chubb is is an animal in the in the fourth quarter. Like it's it's ridiculous. But the moral story, yeah, you're not going Debo Samuel, you're going Devontae Smith. He's going to lead the Eagles in targets. What else? What else you got on Devontae Smith? Yeah, I mean, this is another guy we talked about. You know, performing in an elite group. You even go back to two years. You know, he was a guy that you know, was really productive on a team that had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, you know, Jalen Waddell. Uh, he actually led that Alabama team in receiving yards that season. Uh, and then when you look at Jalen Hurts, you know, he's a guy that's willing to push the ball downfield. He well, he led the NFL in average depth of target when he took over for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're going to get some of the deep shots with him. He, and, and when he had a clean pocket, uh, Jalen Hurts actually led all rookie quarterbacks last year in yards for pass attempt from a clean pocket. Now, he didn't get a lot of clean pockets last year because of the situation the Eagles were in. Remember, the Eagles were the most uh, injured offensive line in the NFL last season. In terms of football outsiders, adjusted games lost, they were number one. Cowboys were two. Um, they're getting this healthy offensive line all back together. So Jalen Hurts is going to have some more clean pockets. Devontae Smith really has minimal uh competition to, to really kind of get in his way and thwart him from leading the team in targets uh and then also we want to go another receiver because remember we did fill our flexes but we still need insurance what if jerry judy's not as good as we think what if claypool doesn't break out uh you know we want insurance still for bye weeks for busts for injury uh so we want to have some depth as well we don't want to stop it we want to kind of ensure what we've got and have some optionality throughout weeks some insurance for those things i laid out well, now you're making me a little nervous about my build because I stopped at, at one, two, three, four. I'm so self. I'm just like talking about my own. Like I've got That's five. Not- I I just took Michael Thomas in our league. Um, it was in the tenth round. So, I was gonna take him if he made it back. Were you? It makes me feel better. Ha! <laughs> got him. Sniped you. So, all right. Reeve so far has taken in descending order: Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett. Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, 
The next guy you're supposed to take, according to this ADP, Ronald Jones. Uh, I have a feeling this is not where you're going to go. Tell me what you think. <laughs> Uh, no, I think this spot here, uh, this is a spot too. I'd look for typically if I didn't have Aaron Jones would be an AJ Dillon spot. You know, this is where I would look to throw AJ Dillon in my bucket of RB two guys. He could have some standalone value. Like we talked about, if he gets the goal line carry and then then upside, if Aaron miss any time. Uh, so when I'm, this is a spot I'm looking at the receivers on the board here. Not really excited about these guys. This is where you hit a wall. This is why also we want to be aggressive in this format because one, we want to have wide receivers in the flex, but now a lot of our opponents are kind of hurt by our build because they're going to be now forced to start some of these guys, right? These wide receivers that are left, they're going to be starting some of these players. Uh, and, and, it's, and we really hit that, that wall. Like once you get to like wide receiver 40 to 45 ish, like it's, it gets kind of gross. A lot of people say wide receivers deep. It's not, it's not that deep. Uh, when you get to it, definitely there's a, there's a plateau. So I'm going to throw a dart at a running back here. Says, I can't take AJ Dillon because we have Aaron Jones. We don't. Can want I guess? Where who who are we taking? Can I guess who you're going to say? Okay. Yeah. Go. For it. All right. So I'm looking up and down. You said you're going to throw a dart. So I'm kind of curious what direction you go. We know you're not going to take James Conner because you're on a podcast with me. We know better than that. <laughs> you have Aaron no, Jones. I will say about James Conner too. I've done a few articles this season that show he's like a pretty bad bet, even outside of injuries here. Yeah, he's like a bad, bad football player, right? That like he's just not. Very- well, he he he's still pretty solid. He was a lot better than I think people gave him credit for last year, especially in context of the Pittsburgh environment. He was definitely the best back, but just like historically, where you want to draft your RB twos from and the profile uh, that you want to draft your RB twos from, he's he doesn't meet a lot of the criteria for guys that actually hit and break. Mm. Are you going to go? I have an article on that if you want to read it. I'm just I will. Sharp football. Sharp football. Wrote a lot of articles in the top season. Yeah. Are you going to go Zach Moss? I am going to go Zach Moss. Aha. Let's hear it. So, there, so really the reason is not so much Zach Moss induced is that we're we're drafting the guys now. We're going to throw guys at this RB2 spot, right? We're just going to get attached to an elite offense. That's number one. We're going to get attached to the Buffalo Bills offense. They're going to probably be projection-wise going to be a top five offense barring their whole wide receivers that missed sections of the season. Uh, and then he's the guy that can is going to get the money touches in this offense outside of Josh Allen. You talk about him versus Devin Singletary. Zach Moss, in games that they played, had eight opportunities inside the five-yard line. Devin Singletary, three. Uh, Josh Allen obviously remains a, a thorn in that side. But, you know, if, if Josh Allen were to have any type of limitations uh, in that area of the field or just Zach Moss's role grows uh, in general, uh, there's the opportunity there, but that's really, I'm not super high on Zach Moss from an individual talent perspective. I'm just, we want to grab an attachment to an elite offense and a guy that has an opportunity to have some of the strong touches in that offense. Absolutely. The next guy you're supposed to take is Curtis Samuel. You're on Curtis Samuel. No, nah, we don't need him. Remember this people, someone's uh, going to start Curtis Samuel now. Uh, start yeah. Him. We like, don't need Curtis. He'd be going? fine. I mean, he's fine. Depth guy. Wait, are you going, this is, are you going tight end? Are you going tight end? Are you going another I running back? I'm going to go tight end. So you're on me now. You're, you've got a bead on what I'm going for here. Let me see where you're going. So Curtis Samuel, but then you got after Curtis Samuel, Kenyon Drake, James Conner, Jalen Waddle, Michael Pittman, Robert Tunyon, I'm not, Jamal Williams. These tight ends are a little dicey. I don't even know if you'd go as far down to the next tier, but I think you, are you going to go, are you going to go Tunyon here? Or are you going to go Higby? I'm going to go Tyler Higby. Okay. Uh, Tell me why. Choice. Well, like I said, I kind of hit it earlier when we talked about the Rams receivers. I think 
the way they've set up their offense now is the middle of the field is going to be a lot more open than it was last year. Everything was like shallow and horizontal, uh, the way they had to run their offense last year, but adding DJX, adding Tutu Atwell, adding Matthew Stafford, I think the middle of the field is going to be a big area of the field that sees a lot of growth this year, the Rams offense. And then obviously, you know, you have the the super splits that you've seen from everybody when Gerald Everett doesn't play and Tyler Higby splits. And, but we've also seen Tyler Higby have an elite section of a season that showed us like legit upside. You know, when you think about his, you know, final month of the 2019 season where he outscored Travis Kelsey, you know, he was a better tight end option than Travis Kelsey to close the season. Uh, So I think with the upgrade for Matthew Stafford, the loss of Gerald Everett, uh, this is a spot where I look to kind of take a shot here for the upside Tyler Higby. Also, we talk about money targets. When the Rams get into the red zone, we've got Cooper Cup has one season of, of usage in the red zone, but we talk about all that speed. Who's the clasher here? It's not Robert Woods. It's not D- Deshaun Jackson. It's not T2 Atwell. It's not Van Jefferson. It's Tyler Higby. So we're, we are buying in on another elite offense, right? We believe the Rams offense is going to be one of the best offenses. So what's been the theme we've been building so far outside of maybe Jerry Judy and maybe Devontae Smith were just kind of upside plays their own. We've got attachment to a lot of really good offenses. So, so I guess good quarterback could, play. I guess you could say that. If somebody's going to be the tight end one in the NFC West, it's going to be, I totally just botched that. I was going to say it's Higby, but then I totally botched that. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to ignore that ever happened. So far from the top, you got Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Zach Moss, Tyler Higby. And of course, you're not going to go Mike Kosicki here. That's what ADP would recommend. So where are you going to go? I'm kind of curious what you're going to take with this next. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of a luxury. Uh, I don't feel like I need to force any running backs. I think a lot of the running backs I want to add is, you know, upside and, and floor plays that we can get a lot later. So I'm going to take another uh, upside dart, uh, another asymmetrical upside guy. Because remember, we don't have to start this player uh, because we're, we're so loaded at wide receiver and we've got our flex spots. But if he does hit, we've got another option. And we got our boy. I'm going to take McCall Hardman. Uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of waiting for that breakout last year when he was a, an objectively bad bet last uh, with Sammy Watkins coming back. I and mean, when you look at his rookie year splits, how he was used, there was really no anything that suggested he was really going to have a lot of growth, but he still did improve on his targets, receptions, yardage last year. The, the massive yards for catch came down um, and he went from six to four touchdowns, but he if is going to be starting too, this year. If, if I could say too, I think you bring up a good point. It's possible for players to be on an upward trajectory, not be fantasy relevant, but still have the ability to break out. Like, I yeah, think absolutely. we view this, I think fantasy play, and I know you'll like this conversation because you love, you know, you love the convert, like theoretical conversations. You love the theme mm-hmm. game theory stuff. I think fantasy players view things too much in a dichotomous fashion. They either broke out or they haven't. They're either going to break out or they're not. When yeah. there can be signs <laughs> and symptoms of both, right? Like you, it's a spectrum. It's not so much like a hard yes or no. And I think Michael Harden sort of fits that mold. At least it, at least it sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah, and you see this a lot. We've seen it with, uh, you know, kind of Joe Mixon. Obviously, he goes higher in drafts, but just just players that haven't become what owners thought they could be or drafted them at at a certain point uh, and, you know, kind of feel disappointed that they're just not going back to the well. You know, McCall Harvin definitely fits that. I mean, but we are getting attachment to another elite offense, another elite quarterback, uh, and then we've got upside. You know, the you look at this Kansas City depth chart, 
if something were to happen to Tyree Kill and something kind of vaguely already has, I don't really you know know if we should worry about it. Probably not at this point. But if something in season were to happen to Tyree Kill, a guy who has had some things happen to him over the course of his career, they're going to have to throw the ball to McCole Hardman. They might have to even throw it to him with him on the field just because you know they lose Sammy Watkins. They don't really bring anyone in. They add Cornell Powell through the draft. Uh, they keep Brian Brian Pringle, Brian Pringle around, but. Uh, you know, by all accounts this offseason, you know, McCall Hardman's still going to be a guy that's going to be there and be, and be involved. They're going to play this kid. Uh, so with us not needing him, remember, he's not a starter for us. He's depth. It's asymmetrical upside for us. Another buy-in on an elite offense attachment to an elite. Uh, I think it's a great spot for him here. I really like on this that. Roster for, or on this roster particularly. And you still haven't gone quarterback. I'm wondering how long you're going to freeze out because now you're going to miss out on fields. You're going to miss out on Trey Lance. And then ADP tells you to take JD Mick. What are you going to do? Um, can I take Lance here or no? I'm going to say no because you're you not going to sp- let me take. Trey oh Lance. wait, 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 wait. No, yeah, no, because you can't. It should be McKissick, and Lance went in the tier above. Okay, so I can't take. I can't because I want to uh, know. You would take Lance. I think. I think we should know. You would take Lance if Lance were here. That would be your option, right? Yes, I would absolutely take Lance here uh, because one, he could obviously. There's been a little bit of a ground so he could even start week one. I think it's still, you know, it's, it's up in the air. But really, we're playing the long game with Lance. Like I said, we know he is going to start. You look at history of these rookie quarterbacks; they all start sooner than later. Since 2008, we've had 39 quarterbacks taken in the first round. 17 of them started immediately week one. 26 uh, started by week four. 29 started more than half their teams. Uh, the last first-round rookie to not play, obviously, was Jordan Love last year, and the only other one was Jake Locker out of this 39 players. <laughs> Two of 39. And we talked about this 49ers layout. At the end of the season, when they're ramping Trey Lance up, they get Atlanta, Tennessee, and fantasy playoffs. Uh, also, Trey Lance is what we want. We want that Konami code upside. We want that rushing Absolutely. Juice. I've heard yeah, that a time we- or two. Yeah, you know, and we want him in an efficient offense. You know, he's throwing to Brandon Ayuk, he's throwing to George Killingville. He would be the guy I would look for. Not even necessarily, then you go back later and you could potentially get a Kirk Cousins to pair, uh, who opens with the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Browns, the Lions, the Panthers, the Cowboys. A lot of good Kirk Cousins games, use him as a bridge. Baker Mayfield, I think, is a really good bridge that that you can draft later and doesn't get, get drafted in one quarterback leagues very often. He opens with the Chiefs, which could be a shootout. Then he gets the Houston Texans week two. So then he buys you a little bit of bridge time as well uh, there. I think that if you're taking Trey Lance and you're not even thinking about starting week one, you don't even care if he starts. You just want no one in your league to have him. You want to have him for when he does start because he's the kind of player when he does start is going to be fantasy relevant. And I would argue that he's in a lot better spot than some of these guys when they get to start are going to be in. Like when Trey Lance starts, he's going to be in a better situation than Justin Fielded. The offensive line's better. The weapons are better. The coaching staff is better. Uh, the team's probably going to be playing in more positive game script. Uh, so, I mean, Trey Lance is exactly like the kind of guy when he does play you want on your roster. You do not want to have to face this guy uh, for the kind of upside he could have. Um, so, I mean, he, if I could have him, he would be the guy. You're telling me yeah, you the love letter because you can't have him. So then are you going to uh, go quarterback here? Uh, if you can't go Trey Lance, that's what we're saying. Like, we're going to say take Trey Lance if you can at this point. And at yeah. that point, it would be the 120. Where is he at? Trey Lance would be the 124 overall. But let's say he's not there. Where are you going? Yeah, I can't. Uh, who did I just take? Are you, are you sure I, I can't have him after Tyler Higby? Yeah, because we went because you we went Higby, and then okay. you were supposed to, and then ADP says Gasecki. All right, that's fine. Well, he's after Gasecki on this. 
Oh yeah, I totally lied to you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm you going to take Trey Lance. Here, See, I'm so bad at this. I'm I'm bad every single time. This I'll say he's after Gusecki. I thought I was looking at the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Then, okay, so you filled yeah. your roster. Oh, you jumped me around. That's why. Oh my bad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so you were talking about JD McKissick, but you jumped around. I must have. I must have totally botched it. But I'm I, I like to have Trey Lance. Yeah. Hooray. If I couldn't have had, if I couldn't have had Trey Lance there. Uh, I could have had Justin Fields. So same argument. But... Right. Same thing. So then at this point, who are you? Let's okay. Let's keep going. Cause I think you have talked about cousins. And if you really wanted to go cousins, he would be in a tier right after. Would you go right back to back Lance cousins? I probably wouldn't. Um, you know, but maybe probably with this build though, I'm going to throw a couple, you know, RB two darts. Uh, let me look at oh, right, the board right. real quick. Let me just double check the board, make sure I don't cheat. Yeah, so right here, because you're going to knock me. So right here, looking at the board, kind of what I would have, I would actually take Gio Bernard here. Ooh. Um, again, attachment to a good offense at RB2 spot. Where RB2s, we want to throw them in good offenses. Uh, a, a pass catcher, uh, you know, you look at Tampa Bay, they targeted their running backs 19% of the time last year, and that was 11th, and that was Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Now you had a guy with actual, you know, pass catching acumen. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can offer you uh, in a pinch, be a kind of that, that Tom Brady binky. He's already played every third down of the first. <laughs> like he's that. played every third down uh, with the first team offense in the preseason so far. Nice. So we already know that that's his role. He yeah. probably needs a door open for him uh, to get any type of like touchdown equity. Uh, but, you know, we don't really care about that because we're just looking to get baseline points of our RB2 spot. Uh, we'll throw some more upside darts later uh, down the line, but that's kind of what I would do in this spot here. And then I'd probably at quarterback play like at the end of area end of the draft, taking a shot at a guy like Bacon, taking that chain that Texans game, and then kind of seeing if either Lance is starting or then recalibrate uh, with another strip uh, in week three. Yeah, because you can always stream somebody that's going to give you a floor, right? That's sort of the argument mm-hmm. there. In single quarterback leagues, especially if they're home leagues, you're going to find somebody on a week-to-week basis, if you're paying even a little bit of attention, that's going to give you the floor that you need until you can transition somebody to Lancer Field. So here we are, Reeves. We're going to call it a night, but I do want to recap your team. Drafting from the seventh slot, Reeves went Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, Jared Judy, Devonta Smith, Zach Moss, Tyler Higby, Trey Lance. Then he went Giovanni, Bernard with the intention to take somebody like Baker Mayfield at the end of drafts. I, I did a Q&A on Twitter, but you basically throughout this entire podcast answered all of those questions. So oh, instead, cool. yeah, I'm going to give you... But I would say on this build, because ha- we would technically have what more draft picks. Uh, that was what? That was 13 draft picks. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. some targets just for people if you're going with a build like this. Yes, go for it. Yes, uh, Other guys to add to this roster and target within your draft. James White, Chuba Hubbard, Tony Jones, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Ramondre Steven. Uh, again, you know, that's what, that's what we're looking for to throw at these guys. We just need, uh, you know, a, a bridge or try to run into something throughout the season. We only have one spot to fill. Um, the one thing that mistake I see people do all the time is they try to have the perfect draft. They, they, they get too balanced. And when you, when you have a balanced draft, what that does is just gives you thinner ice, right? For the season, more fragility, more, more, opportunity for things to crack in the foundation of your wide receiver can't crack on this team right we built it as a strength 
wide receiver can't crack. If it does, it was catastrophic. Like unbelievable things happen if wide receiver cracks. So we built up a strength. We have an anchor RB. The only weak spot we have is RB2. It's okay to leave your draft with a tangible weakness because we have a tangible strength. And we can calibrate all of our waiver moves, all of our transactions this season, whether it be trades, waivers, uh, any types of those things to address our weakness because our weakness is known. We're not going to have other weaknesses crop up in this when you have that balance build, you know? So that's why I, I always see people, I always tell people build for strengths. Don't be, don't focus on having the perfect draft. You'll be lucky to have 50% of your fantasy roster that you drafted at the end of the season. Don't get caught up in having the perfect draft because it's just going to add to more fragility in your roster. Who cares if you tweet out your roster and someone says like, <laughs> oh, your wide receiver three sucks, your RB two sucks. Who cares? Who cares? Because like I said, you get, and we've all played fantasy football. How much of your fantasy roster that you draft, you close the season with? It's, it's literally 50 to 60%, man. Sometimes it's worse. Don't, don't worry about having the perfect draft. Just don't. It, I like it, that. It, it, when you can get over Free that, your hurdle, mind. that mental hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. When you can get over that mental hurdle, because every, no one wants to brick a pick, but you're going to brick picks, even when you don't think you are. I'm telling just, so when you get over that mental hurdle, build for a strength, build for strength. Build to your rules. This, these certain elements and a lot of leagues that play and happen to lend themselves to wide receivers and you know our PPR leagues. But you might play in a league that's standard scoring. It might be touchdown only. There might not be start three wide receivers. It might be start two. There might not be flex spots. Uh, so they might alter your approach. But no matter what your league rules are, target to building a, a team strength. Don't be scared to have a weakness because when your weakness is known, it can be easily addressed than having weaknesses all over the damn board. There you go. With passion, enthusiastic <laughs> take at the end. Reeves, this is always fun, man. These are fun. We're going to have to do one midseason. Um, now that you have no idea, I just brought you on so that I know your strategy moving forward in our draft. I'm ready to kick your ass. So I appreciate you joining. It's already been deployed. <laughs> it's already been, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I look forward to seeing how your team does. I look forward to talking a lot of shit in the group chat to you. All in good fun, of course. Thank you again for joining me. And make sure you follow Reeves at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Go to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Check out all his articles. Dude is a fantasy football savant. And if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. 